0: As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion And in their prayers, for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Thanks, Tom.
1: Thanks, Matt. You might know that... um, uh, Myself and my family lived in uh, Vanuatu for some time. And, uh, you know, we did that, you know, uh, for about a decade while I was teaching in Bible colleges there. But you might not know that about 10 years before that, I worked in Vanuatu doing uh, kind of community development work. And um, what I did uh, in that time, well, one of the things that I did was to take Uh, groups of volunteers who came from uh, from Australia and Canada and uh, from Vanuatu as well. And we'll take groups and go and do community development projects in remote villages. And uh, we got all kinds of people. Like, we had people from Canada uh, coming to us who had never swum in salt water before. So, you know, it's a first. We had people who'd come away and never done their own washing before. Uh, let alone, you know, visited remote uh, villages and and uh, lived in a different culture. So there were all kinds of new experiences um, for the people, for, you know, these young people. They were young people that we had uh, with us. And uh, it, was, it was great. Uh, it's sort of like short-term mission for not Christian people. Like, if you can imagine that, that's what we're doing. And uh, this one time we... Um, as a young woman who was out in a village, uh, one of our volunteers and uh, the the women of the village, um, they took her up to what they call the gardens, which is like your your family farm or your personal plot of land where you grow stuff. And so they're taking her out to do their work and show her. And so they've dug all these holes, and um, then uh, the women start cutting up sweet potatoes and throwing them into these holes and this woman this young woman this volunteer is like oh you know don't do that you know she's crying and getting them to stop doing that because to her they're taking good food and throwing it into the you know the ground she couldn't figure out why that was going on Um, obviously she'd never understood much about farming and and she didn't understand that you can grow sweet potatoes from chunks of sweet potato and putting it in the ground and you know, we grow potatoes like that, right? If you're growing potatoes in the backyard and uh, yams grow like that. they can all, You can grow them from runners and other things. But, she, you know, she was looking at it thinking that, you know, these were kind of, um, you know, she's from Canada, that these are kind of starving natives. And for some weird ritual, they're throwing their food in the ground and was trying to stop them. Uh, Paul, who who wrote our passage, didn't live in the jungles of the South Pacific. He lived in the Mediterranean Uh The people there didn't farm um, sweet potatoes or yams. They farmed grains uh, like wheat or barley. But the principle's the same. You have to, in order to to farm, you have to outlay um, some of the good things. You have to outlay some of your food um, and plant it in order to get a harvest back. Um, And, you know, I think we can identify with that young woman in a way Um, who didn't want to see good yams or good sweet potatoes being thrown away. Um, uh, It is a a strange way of farming. Uh, And perhaps sometimes our giving feels a bit like that. Uh, It's certainly hard. We find it hard to give our possessions or our money away. Uh, And I think, you know, it is hard because in our lives and in our culture, um, our security comes from our finances, uh, like as opposed to in other cultures where our know, security comes from our, our family or our, our village connections. And so it, it's hard for us to, to face the topic that we have this morning, which is giving. It's, it's also hard because it's, it's awkward. It's, an, it's something that we don't talk about. Uh, it's like the topic that, that's kind of taboo in our, in our culture our personal finances. Um, so, you know, before I get going too much, I want to address, um, you know, just a little bit of that awkwardness by kind of telling you where where I'm coming from in, in speaking to you on the, the topic um, and kind of the assumptions behind what I'm going to say. Um, and so then, you know, if the assumptions that I'm making are kind of different to where you are, then you can kind of adjust a little bit at least you know where I'm coming from, right? So the first thing I want to say is that I'm assuming that we all understand um, that there is a need to give, right? That that's part of the Christian life. Um, that, uh, you know, as Michael talked about um, on the first sermon in this series about the, the Great Commission, there is a Great Commission, that the greatest commission ever has been given to us as a church. And in order to do that... We're going to need money to, to do that. So I take it that that's kind of a, a given. This is not kind of, uh, you know, I take it that, that, that that's what we know already. This is not trying to, to, to um, raise any money. You know, I don't take any money out of what the, the church has, not at this stage anyway. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, This is not here to, 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 to try and do, you know, you know what I'm saying? Michael gave it to me and, and that's a good thing, you know, um, to... to to, to get somebody else to preach on this. It's not Michael, your pastor, standing up saying, give me more money or something. Um, and it's it's kind of worked out nice that he's, he's not even here. So uh, we can talk about it without him. The second thing that I, that I want to kind of say that I'm assuming um, about us this morning is that uh, giving is actually something that you want to do. So I'm not here trying to tell you... Um, to do something that you don't want to do, I feel that my job is here talking about something that we all want to do but we actually find really hard and we kind of need to know about why. Um, we need encouragement. And and that's kind of, you know, it's appropriate uh, to be reading this passage because that's how Paul felt about the Corinthians and that's kind of in that background that we read. He's He's not sort of saying, you know, you guys are you guys are tight and you need to give more, he's saying you are generous and he's thanking them for their generosity and, and wants to kind of just shore up um, that gift that they've already committed to. Uh, if you look back at, uh, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 9, he says, there's no need to, for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, this service is the giving. Uh, for I know your eagerness to help and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you in Achaia were ready to give. So he's not telling them, uh, he's not telling them off, uh, he's encouraging them. Uh, so the dip- passage is a bit kind of difficult because um, we find it hard, it's difficult because it's a bit awkward. Um, but I also want to recognise at the outset that it's not an easy passage, like there are parts of the Bible that are harder than others. And, um, and, and you know, we're going to look specifically at verses, chapter 9, verses um, 6 to 15. And a lot of what's said there is actually quite hard to understand. Um, but I kind of want to introduce that by saying, look, the key to, to getting it and unpacking all of that passage, it becomes a lot easier when we realise that almost everything that Paul says there is somehow based on his picture that he introduces at the start about sowing and harvesting. So if we kind of use that sowing and harvesting as a way to kind of come to it, uh, it makes each of the little parts of it um, become a lot easier. And and when we see that, we see that the the big takeaway, the big idea that that Paul wants us to get or wants the Corinthians to get, uh, is that we're to give like we're sowing seed. Right? So we give like we're sowing seed. And that means that we give abundantly because that's the best way to sow. All right, um, And that's the key principle that, that Paul gives it. And he gives it in the first verse. And that kind of guides everything after that. So it's given in verse 6. Remember this. So remember this is like take note of this. Listen to this. He says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously, right? So that comes back to the sweet potatoes in the hole. If you if you plant lots, then you get a lot back, right? And the more you put out, the more you get back. Um, now that picture that Paul uses there um, can easily be abused and uh, frequently is, um, and so we need to get that off our chest right away. Um, Uh, We need to be clear that nowhere, anywhere in the passage or anywhere else, does Paul say that if you give more money, you get more money back, right? It's not working like that. That's not his picture. And certainly at Grace, we're not suggesting that there's anything particularly special about giving to Grace, that there will be any particular financial blessing that will come back in return. So we need to get into the passage then and see what... Paul means by this principle how does he apply it what's this principle of sowing and harvesting and uh, what does it say about our giving and uh, as a way of doing this I'm going to note three things uh, about sowing the way that Paul discusses the idea of sowing in the passage and then three things about harvesting Uh, and the first thing to note about sowing is that you can sow as much as you like Right? So you see that uh, in verse 6, just in our first verse, whoever sows sparingly, whoever sp- sows generously. It's not you must do this, it's just this, what, this is what happens to the one who does so uh, generously. Right, uh, And then he kind of spells that out in verse 7. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So God invites you to decide what you're going to give, right? We're not under the law, we're under grace. And under grace, we are free to respond to the gospel. God has given to us richly, right? He has established in the gospel, he's established an eternal kingdom. And now we are free to buy into that kingdom as much or as little as we want, so give freely as God has given to you. Don't be bullied into giving, right? God is inviting you into His joy of giving, and the reason for that, in part, is spelled out in the next verse, or oh, in the next part of the same verse. So we're still in verse uh, seven. He, it says, "For God loves a cheerful giver." Right? God loves it when we take joy in our giving. Now, my uh, grandma, um, uh, grandma on my father's side, uh, passed away recently. Uh, She was well into her 90s at the time. And uh, quite recently, um, before she passed away, um, I had a chat to her about her uh, upbringing and um, her experiences of church uh, throughout her life. And uh, so she told me about when she was a little girl, which was really when she, she had to go to church. And uh, so on that side, uh, our family or her family really uh, has Scottish heritage uh, they're from the Scots. And so when she was a little girl, her and her sister got sent along to the, the Presbyterian church, right? Because that's what you did. Um, they sent along uh, the kids to Sunday school. Not sure the parents out went to church, but that's what you did in those days. So you get your kids a bit of that uh, good uh, morality or maybe you just get an hour uh, at home. But anyway, she got sent off. And uh, she was telling me that when she got sent to um, uh, Sunday school, she had a penny. Right. So this is back in the, would have been in the 1920s, I think. And I've got to do a bit of maths there, but that would be about right. And so she's got a penny, and uh, when she went to Sunday school, she had to put the penny in the box, right? They sent her like a box around, and everyone had to put their penny in. And uh, she didn't want to put a penny in, right? That's like she did not want to put her penny in. And, uh, you know, talk about holding a grudge. Nearly 90 years later... She's still bitter about being forced to put her penny in the box at Sunday school in the Presbyterian Church in Melbourne when she was a kid. Right, my grandma uh, was clearly not a cheerful giver. Now I tell you that because it's worth understanding how we shouldn't use that verse, right? So you you can't then say to grandma, uh, you have to put your penny in the box and you better enjoy it, right? That's like saying that you've got to do a punishment and you have to enjoy it, right? Which is what some of my teachers kind of implied to me when I was a kid. And uh, you're kind of like, well, you can give me a punishment or I can have fun, but I, I can't do both of those things together, right? And that's not how we want to use it in, in, in our own thinking, in our own church. It's not like... Uh, you know, you in uh, row two there, seat five, uh, you did not smile as the bag came around. Uh, so it's not telling us to, that we have to feel happy when we don't want to. So what does it mean? Uh, and Paul spells it out for us. Um, and uh, he spe- spells it out in the next verse. And this is the second point about sewing. Um, God enables us to give so that we will join in his joy right that's he is giving to us he's enabling us he is blessing us so that we can join in him he likes to give he's the generous giving god he's the gracious and merciful god and he wants us to enjoy what he enjoys it's like saying i have an ice cream right here's some money so that you can buy an ice cream too Right, so that we can enjoy ice cream together because ice cream's awesome, and to God, giving is awesome, He loves it. Look at verse 8 it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And the good work He's talking about there is the, the work of giving. Right, so God blesses us, we have all that we need so that we can, uh, you know, do good with what we have. And, and yeah. if we didn't get it there, it's, 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 it's uh, more clear in verse 11. He says, now he who supplies the seed to the sower, right? So who, like if you're sowing, like if a, the image of sowing is the image of you giving, you're giving, right? You're sowing. But who gave you the seed to sow? Who, who gave that? Well, God gave that to you. So he who supplies the seed to the sower, that's God and the bread for food, it's God who provides for us, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. So God is able to do that. He is able to to give to you and supply to you so that you're able to be generous. Uh, He gives us extra so that we have extra to give. That's the purpose of of blessing us richly. So if you're blessed in material ways, um, that was God being generous with you. It wasn't you. It was God being generous with you. And he did that so that you can be generous with others. We we have a thing as Christians, uh, right? So um, uh, maybe this is not you, uh, but maybe it's a Christian thing. And you know you've just had like a, a big spend, okay? So, um, you know you've you bought your big you, you know you bought your house or your car or you put the extension in or whatever you did, and then you're sh- kind of showing another Christian the, your thing, um, or they you know they're in your house or whatever, and then you get that you get kind of a bit of a feeling, a bit of a guilty feeling, like 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 maybe the house was a bit over the <laughs> bit over the top or you didn't need to. Do that extension or whatever, or you know, and then, and you and you want to sort of cover it a little bit. You want to sort of you know damp it down a bit, uh, and so you say, God has blessed me with this house, right? Oh, God has blessed me richly with this, you know, as if as if you haven't really been involved in the decision making that led to that, as if you sort of just woke up one morning and it's like, pooh. Well, there's a yacht in the driveway. What do you know? God has blessed me with a yacht. You know, it's just great, isn't it? You know, that's the way that it is. You know, as if God is giving us stuff for our own private pleasure. It's like, you know, mum and dad gave us money to go down to the shop to get bread and milk and we come back with bubble gum. Right? But look again at verse 8. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly... So that in all things at all times, having all that you need, right? So you've got what you need, you will abound in every good work, right? He gave it to you so that you can be generous. That was the point, okay? So your abundance isn't so that you can get good stuff. It's so that you can do good stuff with it. It's really nice to, to give someone an ice cream, isn't it? Like it's it's pleasurable to give someone that. Um, uh, grandparents just love it, right? Grandparents just have we. Who's a grandparent, right? It just, yeah, you you love it. You know you do, right? It it seems to me that you can't take a grandparent anywhere without them wanting to buy some little kid an ice cream. Like if there were no like if they didn't have any little kids, they would just buy ice creams for random kids. And, that, and, and that's kind of what God's doing, he's not just, not just giving you an ice cream, what he's doing is he says, I'm going to give you enough for two ice creams, right, so that you can enjoy buying an ice cream for somebody else. Okay, so we talked about um, sowing, uh, in Paul's picture of sowing and harvesting, um, we saw, firstly, that, that God leaves it to us to, to give what we like and, and secondly, we, that he enables us to give so that we will in, enjoy it, so that we will join in his joy of giving. And, and the third thing um, that we see in the sowing uh, is that our, this giving is a good work that arises from the gospel, right? It in itself is a good work, we've said that, but this good work comes from the gospel. And, and this is spelled out in verse 13. It says, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Right? So he describes our giving there. There's a way that he describes our giving. And he describes it as the obedience that accompanies your confession ...of the gospel of Christ. Right, so as we said before, we're not under law, we're under grace. Um, God has acted uh, in an incredibly generous way towards us in the gospel. He has sent his only son to die that we can have everlasting life. That we can be uh, part of this glorious eternal kingdom. And so in obedience to that kingdom that we've become a part of, we can act generously towards others, just as God has acted generously towards us. And in that way, we confess the gospel by reflecting it in our own lives. Like that shows the gospel, it demonstrates something in the gospel by being generous to others. It shows who God is to the world. So first we saw that God leaves it to us. Secondly, we saw that God enables us so that we can... Uh, join in his joy and thirdly we saw that um, that uh, it is a good work that uh, arises out of and reflects the gospel Um, so it's God's will that we give freely uh, and we give freely because God enabled us to and we give because God has given freely to us Okay, look at the last verse, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So the series that we're going through is the greatest, the greatest the greatest that, and it's the greatest giver. The greatest giver is God. He's the great giver. We just join in his joy in doing that. But what about the harvest? Uh, What about the crop that is produced by all this kind of gracious giving or this gracious sowing? Well, firstly, notice um, that the harvest is described in verse 10 as a harvest of righteousness. Okay, so uh, just as it's a good work, as we've just said, it's an act of obedience. So just as we're kind of sowing in goodness, then it's a harvest in goodness, in righteousness. It doesn't mean that our righteous, sometimes we might get a little bit caught up there because we know that we're saved because of having righteousness, so he's not talking about the righteousness, we don't win our righteousness in front of God in judgment. That is not won through our giving. That's not our righteousness at all. The righteousness that we have in judgment is Christ's righteousness. What it means is that it is a right act of proving and that proves and demonstrates that we are saved members of God's family and that we're acting accordingly. We're acting like right members Uh, And that's uh, what Paul says in verse 13 when he says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, right? In this act, it proves, it demonstrates uh, our righteousness. It comes out of the good work that we do because of the gospel. Um, Our giving confesses Christ and proves, it shows that Christ is Lord of our lives. We're not Lord. Our own wants and desires aren't Lord. Christ is our Lord. His kingdom is what's important. And as a right follower of Christ, we produce a harvest of righteous deeds. But what are these deeds? And and, and this is our our second point in the harvest. So firstly, there's a harvest of righteousness. Secondly, in verses uh, 12 and 13, our giving results in prayers of praise to God. Uh, So through giving, actually, we fulfill our entire purpose in life. Our purpose in life is to glorify God, and in giving it results in that praise being given up to God. So verse 12 says that it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And then in verse 13 it says, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. So others are praising God because of our giving. All right. So our giving is like a prayer machine that is just cranking out praise for God. All right, uh, and, and that happens as we, as we give. Uh, we don't know always the people that our money goes to. We might be giving in a number of different contexts. But the work that gets done through that, that somebody receives something, whether it's receiving the, the, some money through that or receiving uh, food or something that they need through that or whether it's receiving the ministry. You know, when we, we, uh, we give towards uh, ministries that go and teach the gospel or preach it to, to people on the streets of Armidale or overseas, we might never see those people. But those people, when they receive it, when, when that, that gospel is believed, then they're praising God, and that's through our giving. So it creates this, uh, this wonderful righteous act um, through, through what we've done. So it, it is an act of righteousness. Secondly, it's, uh, it results in praises. And then thirdly, it's an act of fellowship, That brings God's people together. So you'll notice in verse twelve that it is supplying the needs of the Lord's people. Um, So we might have gathered from reading um, chapter eight and uh, perhaps from other uh, other places that that Paul is at the moment when he's writing this part um, to the church in Corinth. um, He's organizing. Um, a a collection it's actually it takes this collection that he's 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 going about from places and preparing places to give in this case he's writing a letter to kind of shore that up and and later people are going to be coming through to collect this money Um, and then this occupies three years of Paul's life and his ministry um, not, not that he's not doing other things at the same time, but th- this is a big deal. And what he's doing is he's collecting money for Christians in Judea. So uh, they're in kind of um, Greek areas, in Corinth, Macedonia, and uh, the, the Jewish Christians in Judea are facing drought. And so he's uh, uh, collecting money Uh, which acts as this incredible sense of solidarity between the Gentile Christians in places further north and the Jewish Christians in Judea. Uh, And he says in verse 13 uh, that um, in their prayers to you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. So their hearts will go out to, to these other churches just as the, the people in Corinth, their hearts will be going out to these other believers. And as I said before, uh, in our situations, we, we may never know the people that that this is, that our money is going out to. And they would the people in Corinth, very few of them, maybe one of them would have accompanied that, that money on its trip. The rest of them won't get to meet that and yet they are brought into fellowship by this incredible act of, of giving as uh, they, their hearts go out to each other, they're bonded together in this, this kind of universal church, but also that through their prayers going to God, they're kind of really spiritually joined together in their act of giving. Um, and so in terms of our harvest... Uh, Paul has talked about it in in different ways. Uh, Our giving uh, results or is a demonstration of our righteousness Um, and it is a real and practical confession of Christ as we do that. It results in God being glorified as we pray and give thanks for what God has done through those people. And thirdly, it results in God's people being brought together across geographical and political and cultural barriers. So do not let any shysters tell you that giving to them and their private jet will somehow get you ten times your money back. It is not about you, it's not about your pocket, it is about God's glory. Where's the harvest? The harvest is in glory going to God. That's what our giving gives. That's what it produces. That's the big idea that we've been talking about throughout. That's the idea of of sowing and reaping. We sow abundantly in in a generous and sacrificial way because of the great harvest that it produces. And this harvest is in righteousness. So in closing, I want to give some really, uh, kind of bring this together in some practical comments or suggestions um, about giving, about how we can actually do that in our own, in our own lives. So the first thing um, is to be thoughtful about your giving, all right? So we've read that we should give what we have decided in our hearts to give. So just that line, that makes us think. That implies that the person has thought about it. They've decided in their heart, like it's a pre-kind of decided thing that they're going to be doing. That leads to this giving. It's not kind of it's not it's not on it's not kind of chucking in the plate whatever kind of happens to be in the wallet at the end of the week. Like ah. You know, and that's kind of like the way that you might give on the, on the street sometimes if somebody asks you for money or if they're passing a bucket round for Surf Lifesavers or whatever and you sort of pull out your thing and you're kind of hoping there's not a 50 in it because <laughs> that's going to be awkward, right? And, but you know, that's not what's kind of going on here, right? If you're, if, you're, if you're giving what's decided in your heart, you've made a decision uh, and if giving is as good as what Paul says it is, if it's a harvest of righteousness, bringing praise to God, then we want to be strategic about it across the whole of our lives. right? So that means that your giving needs to be a part of your major life decisions. right? It's not the afterthought that fits into your life. It's actually got to be embedded in the way that we decide to live our lives, right? It's got to be a part of decisions like what house to buy. And you you can say, yeah, that's radical. I mean, that's... But really, I mean, is it? Should that be that radical? Like, you need to think about it. So maybe you're like buying a house, right? And you're thinking about, like, I could live in this house here and I need such and such a mortgage to do that or I could live in this house here and... I need such and such a mortgage to do that. And maybe those two places aren't aren't the same. And maybe one, I'm not saying this is the only factor, but maybe one of the factors in that that you need to think through is which of these allows me to be generous in the way that I give, right? So that I'm not looking after me first and then whatever's left over kind of comes away. But it's actually embedded into those decisions, embedded into all, I mean, it's not, I've talked about picked on houses, but, you know, in all kinds of ways in life, we, we have to make conscious decisions about what we do, what work we do, uh, how we spend our time and our money and our resources. And we need to build giving into that right from the, from the base, right, right from the, from the, from the start. So we, we need to be really thoughtful about the way that we give. Secondly, give your best to God. Okay, give your best to God. So this is an Old Testament principle. You'll see it throughout the Old Testament that um, the first one is the one that goes to God. So you sacrifice the firstborn of your flock, right? So you've, you've got your cow, It's finally it's given birth and that you want to build your herd, right? So the first one, like that's the one, you want it to grow up and breed again so that the herd grows. You don't know if there's a second one coming. The first one's the one that goes to God, not the second, not the third, not the fourth, not the last one that you don't care about because you've already got a big herd. The first one goes to God. That's the principle, all right? And, and if you think about like, you know, when, you, when they made a sacrifice of that, it was, it always, you know, you read it throughout, throughout, it's over and over again without blemish. You don't give the dodgy one away and keep the good one for breeding. You give the good one away. So I was, I was explaining this to, in a Bible study, to, uh, I had a, a farmer, uh, an old guy, a retired farmer from the wheat belt, and uh, I was in the Old Testament and talking about that, and he said, he said, oh, well, that really makes sense of what we used to do in, like, whatever town it was that he was farming. And he said that, that when they, he was a wheat farmer, and he said that when they, they took the harvest and then you'd take it in and it got something, something happened to it when, so I, like, I don't know, farming stuff. But anyway, it ends up in bags of wheat, right? And he said that the first bags that came through, they were for the church, Right, you didn't get all your wheat, and then you sort of said later what you're going to do. The first one, and the farmer never took them. They never got the money for that, and then gave the money to the church. The first bags were just marked in the mill; they were going to the church, getting sold for that. And and that's right. Like those wheat farmers, like we got a lot to learn from those guys. That that they're getting it right. That's the principle in action. Okay, so we need to be thoughtful. Uh, We need to to. be, be careful and give the best to God and that's going to require us being thoughtful and strategic. Uh, thirdly, I want to say don't be too hard on yourself. You know, especially if you, if you feel that your giving is, is inadequate and, and that you, you don't have the amount that you would like to be giving to all the wonderful things that are out there. Um, don't feel that you've, you've somehow missed out or that you've been passed by. So remember the widow, right? Remember the widow and Paul, uh, sorry, Jesus sees the widow put, you know, just this one little coin in in the offering, right? Gives the penny, right? Back to the penny, yeah. And, And Jesus says that she has given more than all the others. So your small gift is an enormous gift eternally. So don't feel like you're missing out and don't compare yourself to others. You know, what you give is your business. Jesus says give so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. You worry about you, not about other people. Don't be too hard on yourself. Fourthly, don't be too easy on yourself, right? So don't give yourself a free pass, uh, which is easy to do, you know. We say, well, my circumstances are difficult, you know, um, and so I don't need to give, you know. There's other people that can do that, but, it, you know, that's not me. Uh, and you sort of say to yourself, well, one day, you know, when, when everything kind of gets in order, then I'll start to give. That, that's the time that I'll do it. Well, it seems to me that when those people get money... They still find it hard to give. So if you don't start now, you're never going to. So don't worry about the amount. Worry about being strategic with what you do have. And lastly, please just remember that giving is eternal and things are temporary, all right? Let's be people who seek our treasure in heaven. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, um, it is amazing what you give us. It's amazing that you've given us your son that we might have life. And it's amazing that you give us the incredible privilege and joy of joining in being like you. That you you include us in what you're doing in the world, and and one way is that we can share in your joy of, of giving. And you've made it, you've made the whole thing. You've set it all up in the way that you, you treat us and deal with us and and uh, enable this. That you have you've made it so that we can join you in being generous. And we pray that um, you soften our hearts, and uh, that you. Um, make it that we might truly experience that joy now and forever. Amen.